But today's a unique day also, and we, a lot of times we, we love to do this on baptism because we just get to celebrate. It's just a huge day of celebration, and we invite a few folks up that God just kind of places on my heart to, to come and just share their story of what God's been doing, and uh, we kind of do this in kind of an informal um, conversation form, and so I, I think you're going to really enjoy this. People always say it's one of their favorite days of the year to, to be here, and so I'm, I'm thankful to be a part. Let me introduce you to a few folks here. You guys feeling okay? Don't look too scared up here. If you get scared, they'll get scared. It's like the dog thing, you know, like if you act scared, the dog will jump on you. And so that's why dogs always jump on me. So I'm going to let you hold this for a second. I'm going to sit down and we're just going to talk today and just kind of get to share uh, some stories. And because really, when it comes down to it, God's the ultimate storyteller. He's, he's been telling a story of redemption since the beginning of creation, and I, I was just reminded this morning of Psalm 139, that before I was even in my mother's womb, you knew me. You know my innermost parts. You know everything there is to know about me, and just the depth of God's plan. And I think the longer we walk with God, we see how he's woven us all together. Uh, I always talk about this on this day, because I think it's such a good illustration for any Lost fans, or anybody fans of the show Lost. I was a huge fan of the show Lost. Okay, small crowd. Um, of Lost fans. Used to be way bigger back in the day. But their stories, like as the show unfolds, their stories are all woven together. And in this room is a crowd of people that our stories are woven together. And many times we think our story is really about us, but I love how Rick Warren starts his book and then he says, this is not about you. Purpose-driven life. This is not about you. And that's like just such a good reality check that God's over all and he's weaving this all together in his perfect plan. And so I want to introduce you to these folks. They're amazing folks. This is John Carlo. Everybody get up for John Carlo. That's good. As, good, as much as he is good looking, he is smart and talented too. Um, and so we're, we're excited. Uh, he's here. Uh, he's going to be sharing his story. He actually oversees our social media and photography stuff here at the church. And um, we're, we're excited about him. Do what? Obviously with her help too. Not, help not just by myself too. So I got, go. I got help. There you go. There you go. Got help. And this is Jessica Miles. Uh, give it up for Jessica. Um, Jessica's actually on our staff team here. She's been on staff with us for about a year, uh, overseeing our kids and our family ministry here at the church. And so she's, she's got an incredible story she's going to be sharing with you. And uh, we're really thankful to have her. And this is Miss Joan Andrews. We call her Miss Joni. Give it up for Miss Joni. Um, I was telling her this week, I said, I met you like four or five years ago, and you look younger today than you did then. And I wasn't, I wasn't blowing smoke. I mean that. She looks better today than I've known, known you. So that's, yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're just going to share stories and talk. And just so you know, I, I've spent some time with them and more time than the past couple weeks. But we've just been talking, just talking their story. And hey, if, you know, if God was stirring something in your heart to share, because our lives are long right? And it, sometimes it, it's just important to just narrow it down. Like, what's God saying for possibly someone here that's gone through some of these things, or you're right in the middle of it right now? And I just pray that you walk away with just great encouragement. And so first, let me start with Giancarlo. We'll just kind of move, we'll, move, we'll pa- play past the mic here, and we'll just talk. Um, and I think what you'll see throughout this is um, just God's provision and uh, faithfulness in, in so many different ways and so many different people's lives. And so um, let me just start with, with Giancarlo and uh, ask you, man, so one of the big things that happened in your life early on was a transition from another country 
to America, right? Yes. Big, big transition. Like, I moved a few hours, and it was a lot. But you moved from one country to another, and, and that kind of rocked you for a little bit. It took you a little bit of time. Talk about just kind of your transition here, and then really how that played in with your kind of relationship with God, kind of where that began, and kind of how that's evolved in your transition here. Yeah. So I was uh, born in Puerto Rico and mostly raised. I was 14 uh, by the time my family moved. Um, and obviously, I had any say in the matter. Um, <laughs> there was, I mean, there was somewhat consideration, but really, um, at the end, the family decided what it was best for us in the long term. I didn't see it right away in the long term, but, um, you know, it, it, helps, it helps a lot whenever you take in out of your comfort zone. You know, uh, it it pushes you to to grow, and it's not easy by any means. And um, and I learned I learned from it. And I, I mean, I, right now also, um, I, I'm working with some of the kids right now that are going through the same thing. I work in Southside Middle School, and they are going through exactly the same thing. And I'm looking at them, and what what I tell them is like, look. God has such a big plans for all of you. you. You don't see it right now. You don't. You you concentrate in with all the things, all the things that you don't agree with. Mm-hmm. But if you shape that to the side and choose to grow and choose to put the effort, no matter where you at and who you with, God is gonna make great things, a great impact with you. It took me a little longer to receive that and learn that. But now that I have that, it's, it's all I got to give to, to the kids, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a process. Yeah. <laughs> just immediately think of Romans eight twenty eight that he just works everything out for good. So if you can, and I think that's what gets in the way a lot of times is our, what happens to us changes our perception of God. Yes. Maybe even if we had a proper understanding or, or we did and we begin to shape our perception on God around what's happened or what we've gone through. And so, yeah. And so talk to us about how that kind of played into like coming to know Christ kind of, cause you grew up in, in a religious environment. You guys were around church for the most part. Yes. Um, so how that really came into like full on faith in your life and not just mom and dad's faith. Well, I grew up in the church. Um, and I grew up doing, I felt like there was like a, like a steps and process to do, like all these things to follow. Um, and then when I came here, I actually, I actually went through, through depression, okay? Um, and then that took me away from the church for a while and took me away from God because at that particular time, I didn't feel like there was this relationship. It was more like a thing to do. Mm-hmm. It was more of a, you know, let's go to Sunday, let's read this, that's it, let's praise this God that I never felt like any interact with. Mm. And uh, it, it took me to, because of these events, it took me to, to, to this darkness and it got to a point. It got to a point where I was I was done with it. I didn't know what to do with it. Um, I didn't know who to. I, I didn't necessarily have like a community that I could speak to, or that can speak life to me. And obviously, I took myself away from the community. But then God came through. I think it was I was about twenty years old when when God became like even real. 
to mm. me. And it became this junior relationship where I felt comfortable with. They could have a conversation just like you and I we're having right now. Mm. And it's just not, and I also learned through that that it's not just this guy, it's not a genie in a bottle where I could just ask whatever I want and go about my life. It's more of a junior relationship, meaning asking, but at the same time, big thankful and just big thankful and also forgive at the same time, ask for forgiveness for, for the things that we do at the same time. So thanks wow. to all that process, it became to a point that God became real to me. Yeah. If our conversation with God was, or if our, our conversation with other people and our other relationships was the same way we treated God, I bet those relationships would be pretty messed up. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because we yeah. do it whenever we want, whenever we're comfortable, like that doesn't, it's not a thriving relationship. So that's such a good good point. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I think about that too, because a, a lot of us, I mean, not to call anybody, I don't know anybody like that to call you out like that, but I could see that in myself sometimes where my relationship could be this rush thing, like, hey, God, good morning, I need this for the day, thank you very much, and out of the door. Yeah. And I just thinking, can you imagine somebody doing that to you? Like, just, you know, um, maybe a young child is okay, because he's, he's yeah. his young child, but as you grow older, you're like, you know what, like, no, sit down, slow down a little slow bit, down, let's yeah. have a coffee together, let's, let's just enjoy this, this thing, you know, let's, how you doing? How about you? You know, yeah. uh, what, what can we do? You know, so, um, so we need to find a way to acknowledge God in our life and turn into a, a legit relationship, you know. And, yeah. he's, and he's there. He's always been there. It's, yeah. not, it's, it's not one of those that you're like, okay, now that I embrace God, God is like, oh, well, now that you got the membership on, let's, now let's have a chat together. It's, it's not that. He's always been waiting there for you, and he's always available any given time that you need him, you know. It just even 3 in the morning, if you need him, he's right there. Yeah, Absolutely. That's good. Uh, Jessica, let's pass the mic over to Jessica, and let's talk a little bit. So Jessica hails from the great state of Ohio. Where's the, all the Ohio people at? Yeah, there's some Ohioans in here. There's a little representation. I'm sorry. Jacksonville's really such a trans... Do what? I said I'm sorry. Yeah, it's all good. Jacksonville's such a transplant city for a lot of people, so, um, so it's, it's good. It's good to, good to have all the Ohioans here. So you've been on staff with us here for a year, and so we've, we've gotten to know each other a lot over the past year, uh, our families. And so a lot of your story is heavy, like a lot of heavy background, right? Uh, a lot, grow up in the church, but just a super unhealthy representation of God. Like Christ is the head, the body is supposed to look something like the head. Like can you imagine like a, bo- like a head that doesn't look like the body? And like that's what you kind of grew up in. And it kind of brought you a lot of baggage along the way, huh? Well, I think my body was supposed to look a certain way. And the more I grew up, I realized it didn't matter so much what the Bible said, but what we, I say we like I'm still a part of it, but I'm not. Um, our bodies had to look a certain way. Our hair had to look a certain way. And I realized the older I got, I started asking questions. What I was reading in the Bible wasn't the rules and the standards. And so that, that cultivated something. It started really young where I started asking questions. And anybody who knows me or works with me here knows I ask a lot of questions and I drive people crazy sometimes, but I need to understand all of it. Like if, if we're gonna do something, I wanna know every little detail. I like to process what could go right and what could go wrong. And God is working that out in me. One day I won't be like that, I'm sure, but right now that's who I am. But um, when I was younger, I just, I just started to, to read God's word, 
but almost to, almost to disprove something. Like I wanted to prove them mm. wrong. So I set out and I, re- I have read God's word. I'm going to say this, it's going to sound bragging, but then I'll come back. I've read God's word so many times that like references are there. I had mm. to memorize God's word. I know it, but I knew it for the wrong reason. Mm. And that I don't think it even occurred to me that I knew it for the wrong reason until God got a hold of me. And, um, and I guess the, the point that brought me to that was when we lost our child. And I hated that season of my life for a really long time. And I still, yeah. I still grieve that season of my life because it's a part of me that I'll never get back. It's a part of my, my family that I can't have. So my maternal, and God gave me that instinct, my maternal instinct is to want that child. To I need Gavin. I feel like I need him. But that need was so overpowering that I couldn't, I couldn't live life. I, I, was, I was depressed. I've been in that season of my life many times before. Um, I relied on pain medicine to kind of just numb it. That brought a thousand more problems rather than the first problem. Um, and I guess I got to this point where nothing worked. Nothing made my marriage better. Nothing gave me or could give me my son back. Nothing could change anything. Mm. So I sought counsel. I, I went to a, a church, and they had counselors there. And so she, she tried to help me, and one day she looked at me, and she's just like, I just, I just don't know if I can help you. And I'm like, oh, God. Mm. Like, what am I going to do? Mm. And I think that was a very pivotal, pivotal point for me because – I needed someone to, to kind of look at me and say, I can't help you. Because I was looking in all the wrong places for help. Mm. Um, so it wow. didn't matter how much I knew God's word. It was there. It was, it was a seed that was planted when I was very young. And I'm so wow. thankful for that now. Um, because losing our son, literally, it more than brought me to my knees. It literally made me just fall flat in front of God one day and say, I can't do this. I can't be healthy. I can't have joy. I can't be whole. Like, I need you. And that started a whole big search because, you know, I thought I knew who God was, right? I've read, I've read the Bible. I've gone to church. Mm. Like, I've done all this stuff. I should know who God is. And um, it's blown my mind because, I mean, God planted us in a place in Columbus, Ohio, where I met the woman who's now my best friend. <laughs> she... She would sit out at the bus stop, and she'd be like, it's really cold in Ohio, guys, like most of the year, <laughs> all right? So she would, she'd be like, Jessica, go, come get in my car. It's cold. Jessica, it's raining. Come get in my car. So we'd be at the bus stop when she's doing this, and I would, I would just be like, no, thank you. You're not supposed to get in the car with strangers. <laughs> so I didn't. And then one day, I was like, it's really, fr- it was cold. It was like freezing rain. There was snow on the ground, and I'm like, my kid is freezing. He's like sitting beside me like this. And I'm like, okay, Brian, let's just do it. So we get in the car. And beyond the fact that she is now someone who I can count on to tell me when I'm crazy, I can cry on her shoulder and her on mine if need be. She literally showed me who Jesus was by not saying one word. Not by saying, hey, Jessica, get in my car. Yeah, that's the hands and the feet of Jesus. But she lived it out. Like the life she lived just Jesus just showed through her so Mm. much. And I now know that was a God thing. That was God leading me to a moment. All of the stuff that went wrong. Everything from us hating each other. (laughs) 
I mean, we loved each other. We really did, but we hated the place we were in that led us to, okay, maybe if we move, our marriage will get better. Maybe if we move somewhere, you know, into a new home, that'll change things. Or maybe if we see a counselor, that'll change things, like searching in all these places, Mm -hmm. finding excuse after excuse when we went to church not to go back to church. Not that church. We'll try another church. And then we just didn't go to church because we didn't like any of them. Um, So that moment that I walked into the church for the first time where our church home was in Ohio, I, I, I was covered from head to toe in, like, chill bumps, and I cried the whole entire service, and I knew what that feeling was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I think, just the beginning of something that God was doing in my heart. It didn't happen that day. I didn't go rushing to an altar up front to pray and be prayed with. It took a minute for me to, to be able to humble myself, for one, mm. and admit that I didn't know who Jesus was, and to yeah. truly accept Good. who he was for me and who he set out to make me. Yeah. That's good. I, I think so many have been raised in maybe heavy rule environments, um, whether that's in the church or just in homes. And in our society, there's such these expectations, I feel like, on everyone that everyone feels like we're trying to live up to these standards that are just unattainable, whether you're a young girl and trying to be the girl in the magazine or if you're a guy trying to be GQ like Giancarlo. Not everybody can look... <laughs> That good, like, there's, I've never owned a pair of shoes, even when I walked them out of the store, that are that white. Like, we just, we cannot live up to the standard of those shoes. Um, no, but we, we all, ha- we're just, we're fighting, like, and to be affirmed, and, and so many times we feel like we got to put on this display for God, and when we finally just get humble enough and realize that on my very best day, the whitest my shoes will ever be is never enough. To, to, to receive God's affirmation without Jesus Christ. And that's when all of our faith just turns in the grace of Jesus Christ because that's the only way. That's what all of the Old Testament led us to. And so that's so good. We'll, we'll come back to some more stuff there. Uh, I'm anxious to talk to Miss Joni over here. That's such so good, Jessica. Thank you. You're uh, supposed to ask me questions. I am going to ask you questions. <laughs> Let me, tell, let me tell you, uh, she, she emailed me, well, she, I think she brought it by, it was like an email, but she, she brought it by and gave me this paper, and I started reading it, and like by about halfway through, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I need to go to med school to understand her testimony, because it's just so rich with like God bringing her through physical challenges, so I just love the time we got to spend this week together, just talking and chatting, and um, so you originally hail from the great state of Pennsylvania, right? Any Pennsylvanians in the room? All right, someone scream and act like you are to show some love to the Pennsylvanians. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so your, your story is, you know, one of ups and downs uh, growing up in a, a religious environment, too. But it wasn't until kind of some back and forth finding yourself to come to know the Lord. Will you really talk about kind of your that process to kind of get you to the place of that Jessica was talking about, like humility to go seeking in the right place, not just all the, you know. All the other ones that were kind of running out. Keys are always in the last place you find them, right? Or the last place. Is that how it goes? Did I say that wrong? Last place you left it. Yeah, last place you look. Thank you. Sorry. Tell us about a little bit about just that story of coming to know the Lord. Well, there are so many episodes to my story, and it might be very boring. So I'm glad we're doing it this way. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk some of the, the, hit, the physical stuff. But I, okay. I really want to talk through just the coming to know the Lord thing to, to start with, if you can share with that. Well, um, after a hysterectomy in 1987, 
uh, I developed cancer. I had just started a job at the Florida Times Union, and uh, I took a leave of absence, and I had breast cancer, which I came up and out of it, me and the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's when I was really desperate. And, uh, you know, you wait five years, and you're okay, and you wait uh, ten years, and you're okay. And uh, then uh, my whole family has diabetes, so I didn't escape. So we, uh, I had diabetes, and you work with it and control it, and uh, it just doesn't go away. Um, well, where do you want me to go? Well, just that you, you were you were telling your, that you were kind of in a low place and just coming to know the Lord. You oh, were telling yes. me about that the I other day. I was um, very unhappy in my marriage and in my life. There were a lot of good things, but there were things that... Um, hit home pretty hard, so I was searching for the Lord and and needing to lean on, on him. Mm-hmm. And I came home from work one day, and I stopped into a little local church at Goodweeds Lake. I don't think they're there anymore. And I walked in and, uh, you know, said the sinner's prayer, and the next thing I know, I was on the floor. You might not understand that, but I was. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was born again right then and there. Not when I was 27. I probably was about 39 then. Wow. And, uh, oh, I, I, there's just so many things. I, I um, went to my doctor one day after I had bent over and cracked my arm up here. And I had an appointment with her. And... Uh, she took my pressure, and it was 170, my blood count. And she said, uh, you, you are in AFib, atrial fibrillation, where your heart beats really, really fast. And uh, she sent me to the hospital by ambulance. And I said, no, I, I don't want to go in an ambulance because I don't have the money. I'll drive, not knowing that I could have affected the whole city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So when I, um, I started for Memorial Hospital, I thought about my di- the diabetes. I hate to claim it, but I thought about my. They're not going to feed me until 11 o'clock tonight, and I might get very sick. So I stopped in at Long John Silver's. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had a little snack and headed on to the hospital. So um, they hospitalized me, and I came up and out of it. The, uh, my heart went back to normal the next day. And, uh, well, there was just a long, long series of AFib. It didn't go away. I went to the Baptist hospital. My son come to get me and took me to the Baptist uh, with um, AFib. And I didn't have the feeling. That was just it. I didn't have the pain. I had silent AFib. Mm. And, uh, pro- and, and I, was ve- I was very close to a heart attack then. And so anyway, they treated me, and they didn't know what to do for me, really. They tried all kinds of medications. They put in the IV. And the doctor even asked me, I don't know what to do for you. And I laid there for about three days. And after many episodes going to Baptist, you know, I couldn't get my breath. I was holding a lot of water. And all those things added up to four trips to Baptist. So my son came 
to visit, and they were going to do an ablation. They were considering another ablation, which I already had one. And he said, no, we're not going to do that. We're getting her out of here. So he uh, ordered an ambulance, and I went to St. Benton's Hospital, uh, where I had a uh, catheterization. And they decided that I needed a four or five pass, and I needed to have uh, the maze procedure done to combat the atrial fibrillation. I told you you needed a med degree to like know her. <laughs> I, I was through a couple procedures that didn't work. Yeah. And so um, they decided to do that, but I had to wait a month. So they gave me a belt to wear, a null belt that wrapped around with a packets in it that would explode should your heart rate go up too high. And they would knock you to the floor and possibly save your life and possibly end it too. But it was, um, it, 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 you might know what it is. It was like a grenade belt, really. And it had blue packets. Do you know what it is? It had blue packets the whole way around that would explode should your heart rate go up and knock you to the floor. Yeah. And then you'd get the... Um, you yeah, you were telling me about that, and I just began to think, I mean, and I could feel this when you were saying this, I think you mentioned it, is that when you are living with that type of physical condition, you literally are fearing for your life, like every moment, and there's just a, like a cloud of fear, which you'd, God had brought you through a lot, you know, already, I mean, cancer, hysterectomy, I mean, just, you listed off a number of things there. And now to a place where, like, you literally don't know if you'll make it to the end of the day. That, that could just happen. And so there's just a deep fear, you know. And I know just that built even more confidence in the Lord to, to bring you through that. But that was, a, that was, a, that was not that long ago either, was it? No. What, what year was it that? It was in 2015 I had the heart surgery. Mm -hmm. But I had to wear this belt. And um, I, I wore it for over a month. And that kept the doctors in tune with what was going on with me because it, you know, had registered, registered the, the amount of beats my heart was doing. So um, I believe that was the most horrendous time of mm -hmm. my life, was knowing that I had AFib and not knowing when I would drop mm -hmm. over. And that's when I really needed God. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't. I couldn't do it alone, even though my whole family was with me. They were helping me. So I had the surgery, the four bypass, and the maze procedure. And the maze procedure is where they uh, go in, and it's, your heart gives off electric uh, signals. And the electric signals were not going where they should, so they go in there and they um, uh, put scars on your heart so that the uh, signals will uh, go a different path, take a different path. And uh, it worked. Mm. It was extensive, the surgery was long. I was very close to death a couple times, the children tell me. And um, they, they all prayed, they all went to bed with their cell phones on their, on their chest. Yeah. And um, God heard those prayers and yeah, I Amen. Amen. Man, God's brought you through a lot, man. It's cool. We'll, we'll come back and talk a little bit more about that. And that's, I know for someone that's battling some of that physical stuff right now and just hearing that, you know, time after time after time, um, God's brought you through. And not just brought you through, because um, it doesn't always work out like that for everybody. 
but that you come out with joy and not doubting the character and, and the goodness of God. Mm-hmm. That's what just is overwhelming to me as I talk and spend time with you. It's just that's still there, and you haven't grown embittered by what you've gone through, but it's, uh, you're still just such a sweet spirit to, to be around. So let me get back over to Mr. GQ himself here. And um, so, so something that, that, was, that you were telling me that was a really transformational moment for you is when God called you out on this 11-month journey to be a missionary for 11 months, right? In how many yeah. countries? Uh, 11 countries. 11 countries, 11 months to be a missionary. You just set everything else aside, life, goals, plans, all that, to, to just go and be present. And I'd love for you to speak to, to just the, the growth that you had to come to understand community. Yes. And like what we mean by that is just like relationships and doing life together. Because so many of us do life alone, and that's just not God's design. And so speak to that a little bit, just what you brought through. Because there are some you know, compelling things that you learned through that. Um, well, I could tell you about the, the biggest teaching, the biggest lesson that I got through this journey was learning about community. The reason why I learned so much about it, it was because prior to that, I didn't like it at all. Like, Not exactly a people person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, in, the, in the outside, it can show that I'm a people's person because I love people. But once that is over, then I'm going home. Nobody texts me. Nobody calls me. I'm not answering anybody's phone call. I am gone until you see me next time. That was the type of person that, that, that I was. Um, mm. And so month first, first month, I mean, they have us. Obviously, you have a team. It's about seven to eight people. You are with these people 24-7. Like, not kidding, 24-7. The only break that you have for away from these people is bathroom. And those bathrooms become joyful. So it's like having... <laughs> so it's like, it's like having kids, except you get to use the bathroom in private. That's the only difference, right? That's the one way to look at it. Yeah. That's one way to look at it. Uh, I don't have children, so that's why that part right. is not working. But um, let me tell you, Community was the best thing ever happened to me during that season, and, and I'm still looking for, for that. And I'm gonna tell you why. Because with community, you you get to learn so much, not just from them, but for yourself too. And there's this immense opportunity for you to grow yeah. if you allow it to be. We have a generation that we like to put so many walls uh, when it comes to things that we do, personalities, the things that we do. Sometimes we put walls to, you know, justify the actions that we do. But with community, if you really embrace it, there's no walls in there, and it helps you to even grow. Um, One of the first things that you have to realize in order to be in a community is first, what is your goal as a community? Like, what is the things that we're trying to accomplish? Um, and I know for that community specifically, and, and I hope for everyone is, we want to see every single one of us enjoying the eternal life, enjoying the eternal kingdom. Mm. That is one goal. The other goal is to bring Jesus to wherever we go, no matter what. Bring to Jesus to wherever you go, to whoever 
you go. To portray Jesus, to portray his love. I mean, you know he loves you so much that there's no way that you could be selfish with it. You're like, this is so awesome, I want other people to go with it. And no matter what kind of person you have, you're like, you know what? Maybe you, we don't connect so well, but I still want you to see you in the kingdom. And I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to enjoy that in that moment that I see you in the kingdom. So one of the first things is to realize what is the, what is the goal. You know, The other thing is, as I was talking about the walls, we all have maybe some past history with community that maybe they were not so good which it was my case. That's why I was not embracing community so well because when it came to middle school, high school, even basketball team, I didn't feel really connected with that community. And due to their past experiences, when they asked me to embrace this community, my mind was just going back to past history and therefore I was bringing this wall up mm. consistently. I, I, I didn't want to embrace this. I was like, no, do not push me this community. I already know what that's like and I don't want this. So then I had to let God to knock down these walls mm. to give opportunity so then God can work through me and what the community is supposed to be like. I had to turn this also to be open, turn this shame that I had before and just be burnable with my team as well, which is not easy. Yeah. To be burnable is, is, is just taking your shield down and just be willing for the unexpected. But, but I learned that in order, if you want like an authentic community, if you want a genuine community, if you want an honest community, then you have to start by yourself. Mm-hmm. So you have, to, you have to be genuine yourself, you have to be authentic yourself, you have to be, be honest yourself. And so there's a lot of work um, in that, and God will work through it, and God will send you that community to work at it. The other thing is to realize is that in a community, you're not going to connect the same way with everybody. And that's okay. Yeah. That is okay. Yeah. All right? It doesn't mean that the person that you connect with, it is more important than the rest of them, nor that the other people are any less essential in the community life. Yeah. It just is the way it is. And you have a connection? Great. That's cool. But if anything, we have to encourage to actually work in that connection that you struggle with. I think we need to work hard on that one. We have that one person that maybe we don't connect. Try to work hard on that one and see the benefit that comes out of it. I, th- I consider it like an like a injury rehab. Whenever you got a muscle, they send you to do these exercises to give a strength to that particular muscle that you probably injure. You don't see somebody going to rehab and have a problem with the calf muscle, and they're like, okay, I'm going to work this one because it's so easy. I just thought I'm going to neglect my calf muscle because it's so hard. I got to work harder. I got to put more effort. I got to put more time. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? Let me just work my biceps. My biceps are good. <laughs> Next thing you know, you are in part of those do not skip leg day type of photos <laughs> where you got these great biceps and these chicken legs, and you don't want to be that. <laughs> so, um, so. It takes effort. Yeah. It, it, takes, it takes effort. It takes dedication. It takes to be intentional, uh-huh. especially with those people that you don't connect with. It also takes for you to try to be consistent in choosing people over some distractions that we have, yeah. which is what happens when we go home a lot. Yeah. 
we got a lot of distractions at home. This is why a lot of phone calls, I never answer it because there was a lot of distractions. And so it's a matter of choosing that. It's a matter of choosing, you know what, I'm going to choose people because God shows them, God shows me. So I need to show them too. Um, That's good stuff, man. That's really good stuff. Yeah, Yeah, and then the last part is, which you and I will talk about, is, you know, to be open, is to also uh, learn to receive. And I'm not talking about receive, like, gifts or, you know, help or anything. It's also receive the stuff that you're probably not ready to receive. And one of them, the the main one I'm talking about is correction, feedback. That was so elemental to our community, to be open to receive and give feedback, even in the corrections ones. Because if you do something so well, you already know it. You can receive all day, oh, you, you're so good at this, oh, you're so good at this. Good. That's okay. But I, how am I going to grow if I don't know what the things that I need to grow on? Mm-hmm. And so the biggest thing is to receive those kind of feedback, knowing that it's all about not missing your, your maximum potential, because ain't nobody here don't want to mix their maximum potential what they can be. I mean, you got, you got your thinking of your potential, and then let me tell you, God has even higher potential for you. But the only way that you could get there is just to be open to just receive an honest correction yeah. and just be thankful about it, because there's some things that somebody will see of yourself that you at the moment can't see. So just be open and just learn how to receive. So good. There's a lot of good stuff in there. I hope you grabbed all that. You, you told me, you, you said it, and I just had to write it down when you said it the bit on, um, when we had breakfast the other day. The, the biggest thing that tears down community and growth is the walls of self-defense we put up all the time. He said this, when we understand that a person is speaking to you in love and calling you to greatness, community can function at an incredible level, level when we're open to receive and grow. Just so powerful. Our kids are going to be joining us. We're going to be transitioning to baptism here in a minute. Uh, but that's just good stuff, man. Just good stuff. Let me talk to Jessica for another minute um, here. Um, one of the phrases that you, you were sharing with me as you were telling your story is just that insecurity has kind of been with you for a long time, just things you've gone through. I think m- most most women in the room would find that to be, uh, you know, normal for, for most women, but uh, I think the guys would too. That insecurity is, is something that everybody it really struggles with in different ways. So talk about how, how God's just brought you into freedom, you know, through that. Where that came from, though, like kind of okay. set the stage for that, too. It's okay. Are you yeah. sure? A <laughs> little well, bit, you know. <laughs> I think you, you use the word vulnerable, and it's really hard to be vulnerable, whether it's sitting up front and kind of like trying to like, I won't lie. Pick words that you're going to say that sugarcoat the, the truth. It is the truth, but it's like, do I really want to be that vulnerable? Do I want to be that honest? <laughs> um, because it is, I mean, and I, I, I war with this one because I, I want people to know my story. Not because I want you to know the pain that I've endured. Not because I want you to know that I'm some tough chick who can live through hell and back. But because God is so big, God is so good, and mm-hmm. God is sovereign. Yeah. 
So um, when he was talking, my mind was my mind was actually going to insecurity, and I was kind of like, huh. and the walls, like the way we build walls, mm-hmm. and um, so when I was younger, some really tragic things happened to me. And for the sake of the children in the room, I'm going to leave it at that. And I'm, I'm, I'm confident that as adults, you, you know what it means to keep your children safe and you want them to be healthy. And I was, um, I was left to someone else's sin and it hurt me badly. And it left me a broken little girl who longed for someone to love her, who, who accepted this label of, um, of, of not being enough, of being told by people in my life that if I would have maybe been more modest, that wouldn't have happened to me. And I'm talking about like I was five. I, I was as modest as they come. There's nothing, I mean, I wore homemade clothes and tights and socks and shoes and like nothing could have changed the level of my modesty at that point in my life. Um, So then, you know, that outside of the pain and the hurt that I was enduring, there was another level of it because I had to hear from the people who were supposed to keep me safe that if I would just act differently, these things wouldn't happen to me. And so I made it through that. I I came came out alive one day. I just, I woke up and I decided things are going to change, buddy. And so the next time that I was put in a terrible situation, I looked at him and I said, touch me. I dare you. And so you know I'm fierce. Everyone in this room knows that I'm fierce. It happened at a young age because I had to determine at a young age, if no one was going to stand up for me, I'm going to stand up for myself. Mm. All right? That's where I was. Well, then as life went on, I made some choices. And and I, I... if I was sitting in a counselor's chair, they would say, well, because this happened to you, you chose to do this. And maybe that is so. Um, and so I made choices that weren't okay. And, um, you know, I, w- I went down paths that I'm in though, like even looking back, sometimes I question, God, why? Why did I have to do that? Why did that happen? Or why did I make that choice? Or, you know, you know the battle that we all have within ourselves. And so I got married and I had the world's most handsome dude. And I, I didn't understand it then. And I, I knew women who had struggled to have children. And I kind of even, like, felt guilty. Like, how could, I, how could I have gotten pregnant before I was married and then get married and have this child? And this woman still is sitting over there infertile. Like, it was really hard for me at that point in my life. Um, and so I did the single mom thing for a while. And, um, you know, of course, holding on to this, I'm a strong woman, right? I've, I've stood up for myself as a child. I'm standing up for myself now. Um, oh, the single mom thing. Yeah, I got married, and then I was a single mom. I got divorced, too. Um, after I endured another round of really bad things, just really bad things, and... Um, Again, I, I put this label on, all right? So I've been abused and I've, I've been battered. And so I'm like, uh, my mind puts me in the place of I'm a strong woman. I promise I'm getting to a point here, That's all right? Great. So a lot of you know the story. Then, of course, I met my husband and, and we got married and, and life was really great um, up until when we lost our son. And then 
you know, then life happens again and we go through another round of it. And I'm literally at that point where I mentioned earlier, God, I need you. I need you because all of these things have defined who I've become. I, I've accepted, I've accepted a label and I've said, okay, you know, I, I was abused. And then I realized, like, I'm not that strong woman that I thought I was. I have had to be strong, but I'm not a strong woman, and I'm not strong alone. And um, so at the point of all of it, okay, so, like, I, I find Jesus, and he, he rocks my world, and the healing begins, and it's not done. So I still sit in front of you. I'm not those labels, okay? I'm strong because God makes me strong. And I learned over this last year, there was a, a season where some, some skeletons in my closet, bad things that had happened to me that I had kind of, my childhood being one of them, just kind of pushed away because that's how I dealt with it. Like it didn't, it happened. I knew it happened, but I was kind of like a third party to it. Mm. And those skeletons just came walking out of my closet. And all year, it was one after another and enough to drive me to my knees and, and ask God, what are you trying to teach me? Not what if I endured, what have I been through, but what are you trying to teach me? Mm. And my takeaway from all of it is God is sovereign. He knows where you are. And the, the calling that he's put on my life, the desire he's planted in my heart to reach out to women, to love on children, that has prepared me to sit out there with your children and love on them and teach them is because I came from something that wasn't pretty. Mm -hmm. And God has made something, and I'm not saying me, God has made something beautiful in my heart that makes me want to reach out to other people. Yeah. And had I not been through that, I don't know if I'd be sensitive to it. I don't know if I would want to help other people. So if you hear, like, I mean, everything that he said was just like stirring in my heart. I, I have so much work to do. Mm -hmm. And I know that's something that God is like working on me, even your words, <laughs> understanding that like, oh man, one season's done and I, here I go into the next one. Like, what can I learn in the next yeah. one? You know, God, God's not done with me yet, but God is sovereign. He sees you where you are. He has a plan for you where you are. We, we use the verse Jeremiah 29, 11 a lot for I know the plans I have for you. But he knows the plans he has for you. Yeah. And no matter the hurt, no matter the pain, if you can take your eyes off of that for just one minute and not accept that label, not accept what the world is telling you that you are, but step out in faith and ask God to heal that in your heart. And ask, I mean, just really, truly ask, but then be ready to accept it. Because once you accept it, it's so different. It may be joyful, but even, even sometimes it's going to be painful for God to heal that. Like you were talking about your leg day. Mm -hmm. I don't want to work out what's broken, and I don't want it worked out. It sucks. No. Sorry, kids. It yeah. stinks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Y'all trust me with your kids. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I try really hard. Out there, I do better. Anyway, God's working I, on me. I think it's so cool just to hear just stories of restoration and healing and hope and and how um, God brings us through all this stuff. Like, he, he, sin is so rampant in the world. Like, crazy, terrible things happen. And they happen to us in this room. We have to battle through them. We have to battle through a world that's sinful. Um, but, but we're never alone. We're never alone, not only with God, but the, the Father, but with also the body. Like, you're not alone you're walking it alone, quit. Quit walking it alone. That's not what God has called for you. That's not his best for you. There's growth there. there. There's so much. There's encouragement. There's comfort in the depths of the valley when you're there. There's someone that says, get in my car 
And, and when he brings you through that, you're going to turn around and you're driving the car and you're going to look at somebody else and be like, get in my car. Um, there's, there's just power. God can use you. So, so just open your eyes to that. Let me, let me close us off here with Miss Joni. Um, you know, and uh, you are the most seasoned on this stage. You're the most seasoned. Thank you. You have more wisdom in your pinky finger than what these young kiddos here, us three, um, have. And I, I would just love, there's, there's folks of all ages in this room, and God's brought you through so much, and as opposed to kind of rehashing, you know, and trying to dig into all those stories and memories, I, can, can you just speak to us like mama? Can you speak to us like grandma? And just uh, share from your heart to, to round out this this moment well, I here? Found, um, I found this church. Um, Pastor Kyle wasn't here then, and Pastor West. And I've been coming here for quite, quite a while. Yeah, in this building, yeah. This yeah. is where I received, and, and it, the answer is here. Um, mm. I, after my heart um, surgery, I did a couple things to myself. God didn't do it. Nobody else did it. But I went home and I was feeling. The children were taking care of me. And I tripped against, I hit my foot against the baseboard. My son was there. And he said, Mom, I think you took a chunk out of your toe. So that developed into, uh, into inflammation, infection, and my toes were bright red, and I was about to lose them. Well, here comes God on the scene. <laughs> and I went to Dr. Cunningham, who was my heart doctor, and it checked out okay. And I said, would you look at my toes? And he said, well, I'm not a toe doctor, but I'll have a look at them. <laughs> so he did, and he immediately went to the phone and called Dr. Newman, who is a podiatrist, and he is a Christian. And he worked with me for about four days in the hospital. And I knew that God had answered because Dr. Naaman went over in the corner and he raised his hands to the Lord mm. and he said, oh, I am so pleased. So I knew that I was going to be okay. So uh, mm. uh, the children took care of me and, uh, you know, they took shifts. And I ended up in four rehabs. Because of the infection, in, right after the surgery, I had to go to a rehab because my legs were bad. And then I ended up in another rehab because I had the infection in my toes and I needed to have the kick line and I needed to have uh, uh, medicine, uh, you know, in the ID for 20 days. So that all worked out and uh, uh, the third rehab, I, I went to was right next to Memorial Hospital, and uh, that was for my shoulder. I injured my shoulder. When my, I had a nurse with me, and I wasn't, she wasn't paying attention to me, and I went to the door to get a pair of socks because I thought I'd help her out, and I bent over and broke my shoulder. Mm. And that's why I went. As if she didn't have enough going on, you know. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> and. Uh, so I ended up in another rehab, but I only had to put in a sling. I didn't have yeah. to have it, um, you know, bound yeah. up because uh, it was so next to my heart, and, and uh, I was delivered. Yeah. So there's, there's pretty much uh, the end of it. There's 
Yeah. You got a lot. You ever want to hear some stories? If you're ever going through some physical stuff and just don't know if you're going to make it out, this is a great lady to come see and talk to because she has fought through it and God's been faithful to her and she has such joy and sweet spirit to her now. Can you thank these folks for just being vulnerable this morning and sharing? Uh, thank you guys uh, for being here. Just so much, um, so much good. I hope, did you get something out of that? Yes? Hope so. There's uh, just so much that we can take and learn through the things that we've come through and what God's done in those. I, I'm excited about these next few moments that we're going to share, but our attention's just going to turn to heaven. It's going to turn to some folks that are making a decision to, to be baptized today, and we're going to celebrate that. But I know all across this room, there's uh, folks in a lot of different places that these stories weren't random today for some of you. Like some of you in the room, like, I, like some of this stuff has landed pretty deep. And we start talking about skeletons walking out of the closet. We're like, yikes, please move away from that because I'm just I'm worried what's about to come out of mine. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, um, there's some hurt, there's some insecurity, there's some doubt, there's some fear that God starts bringing to the surface. And, and before we move on and do anything else today, I just, I want a time with you. I want a time with each one of you individually just to pray over you, um, to know that your story, your story, you just got to hand it over to God. Quit trying to control your own story and just let God have it. Let God have it. He's going to write a better story than you can. It's like me trying to write a better story than Spielberg. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Just That's why it's a faith journey. It takes trust to, to open your hand, to pry it open if necessary, and say, you can have this part of my story that I've been hanging on to, that's hurt me, that's made me broken this past 10 years, 5 years, 2 months, whatever. Open it up. Let God have it. I want to pray over you, uh, and then I'm going to invite you to the table and to communion. I'll give you some instructions on that. God, thank you for this room filled with young and old, people that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, those that have said yes in the past month, some that are in their hearts right now feeling like a few called to, to follow this Jesus. And I thought I knew what he was, but I'm just, I'm ready for the adventure that God is going to take me on, letting him write my story. And through a simple yes, a, a simple submission of our will daily, God is, God is going to rock your world. God, I pray all across this room, God, for those that are, there's some things coming out of the closet, there's some, some, some pain that, that's being confronted in this moment, and I just pray that you would to show your love and your healing, God, in this very moment and just bring strength and encouragement to your people today. God, make us whole. Make us in your image. Heal those parts of our heart that are broken by the sinful things of this world in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.